our goal on this is very much with a public safety and public health lens, uh, making sure we're protecting our kids, making sure we're protecting our communities, making sure we're replacing uh, the organized crime that right now uh, is uh, the seller of marijuana to, uh, to citizens. Uh, this is uh, something that we want to get right. On October 17th, Canada will legalize the use of marijuana nationwide. In light of this, U.S. immigration officers have increased the level of questioning on matters of drug use, which has resulted in a significant uptick in Canadians being denied entry into the United States. Today, I'm joined by Erickson immigration attorney Hiba Amber. We discuss what Canadians should be prepared for when dealing with U.S. immigration officers and how what they say may affect their chances of entry. This one's a special treat for our neighbors up north. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. On October 17th, Canada will officially legalize marijuana throughout the entire country. For Canadians who are crossing the border dealing with immigration officers, what do you think they can expect? So we've got a couple of things going on here. We've got essentially a conflict of laws, first of all. Uh, and second of all, we've got one set of laws, particularly those in the United States, that allow for considerable discretion on the part of the officer that's charged with applying the law. So what Canadians can expect now is basically something that they consider to be a legal activity in their home country, being grounds for inadmissibility when attempting to enter the United States as a non-immigrant or an immigrant, really. And the reason for that is because even though now, you know, marijuana usage recreationally is going to be legalized in Canada, um, as far as the borders are concerned, it's U.S. federal law that applies. Mm -hmm. And that is very clear in terms of findings of inadmissibility based on either criminal activity or drug or substance use or, you know, anything that could make you a either threat to the United States or, uh, you know, health related grounds. And so it all kind of gets tied into that. Um, if you are, pro you know, attempting to enter the United States, then right. don't be surprised if you get an a question from, a, from an officer that says something to the effect of, you know, have you ever smoked marijuana before? Or, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of like tries to delve into your history. Um, right. What remains to be seen now is how the truthful responses to those questions are going to, you know, be treated, really. Right. I think we have already some evidence of that. With certain people uh, who have been questioned by CBP officers, when was the last time they smoked marijuana or any sort of dealings with marijuana? If they answer in the affirmative, we have seen cases where they have been banned from entry. And now it's sort of it seems like there's a, a gray area uh, we have in terms of is being left up to the discretion of the officer. Mm -hmm. Let's say. If I am crossing the border and I'm asked such a question, can I refuse to to answer? Does my uh, Fifth Amendment take play into uh, this situation? Or That's a good question. The Fifth Am Amendment thing is not going to apply at this point because yeah. you're talking about a non-citizen attempting entry into the United States. And the jurisdiction here is federal immigration law. Right. You could, in theory, refuse to answer a question. I think the more important question is, well, whether or not that strategy is recommended. The um, refusal to answer a question could very easily result in, you know, denial of entry to the United right. States if the officer feels like you are trying to hide something. 
um, because there's so much that's at the officer's discretion, there's a lot about you, the, the individual attempting entry, that could, you know, be used by the officer to make a decision um, contrary to your interests. Right, right. Reading recently, there have been investors and business owners who are within like the marijuana industry who've been denied just because of their occupation. He's seeing many with even loose associations to marijuana now being turned away at the border. You know, selling a, a machine, a legal machine from Canada to a U.S. customer, um, owning property in the United States that has a, a tenant who's in the cannabis industry. So it's a very far stretch, but they're making that connection and denying Canadians. If anybody is connected to <laughs> that industry, will they be banned from entering the United States? So it's possible, right? Mm. And and the reason for that is because, so the controlling law here is basically Section 212 of the Immigration Nationality Act, you know, so we're talking about INA uh, 212A1, you know, fill in the blanks in terms of like sections and subsections. But there is a subsection that specifically states that if the officer suspects that you are a knowing aider or a better, a sister, conspirator, colluder, mm. um, or in any way shape or form involved with the illicit trafficking of any controlled substance, then you are also potentially inadmissible. Um, the section is fairly expansive in that it actually goes on to state that you could even be, um, you know, the spouse or son or daughter of the alien who's deemed wow. to be inadmissible. Yeah. Uh, and really anybody <clears throat> who has obtained any sort of financial benefit from this, mm -hmm. you know, illicit or criminal activity. So, what that does is cast a very wide net for individuals who are vocationally involved in the industry, right? Now, in terms of personal experience, we have not dealt with any business owners in Canada who um, are connected to the cannabis trade mm -hmm. um, and, and were denied entry on those grounds. But there has been quite a bit of conversation and speculation in terms of what this is going to look like in terms of you know, realistic application. Sure. And yes, there are um, instances that we've learned about just anecdotally mm -hmm. of business owners being denied entry and some right. instances being banned all altogether. Yeah, um, yeah. And there has been quite a bit of speculation as to what, you know, the application of this could look like. Right. Um, so let's say I am banned for any particular reason I, I might be just playing some bob marley you know that might be enough suspicion for the officer you bet you're like dr gary chronic yeah. album or something in your cd player basically around the 2001 yeah. yeah bumping and yeah that's that, that's a short bet we know that's a short bet so let's say i'm banned from the united states permanently what can i do as a citizen to fight this so I can get re-entry? Is there an attorney that I can go to? Is this a, a case or what sort of actions can I take? So a Canadian citizen. Yes, who if is I'm Canadian. Attempt, yeah, mm -hmm. it, who is denied entry and found to be inadmissible can attempt a waiver. Mm -hmm. um, you can seek a waiver of inadmissibility. Um, that's also governed by Section 212 of the Immigration Nationality Act. There are types of inadmissibility waivers and there are certain grounds. Without getting into too many legal nuances, right, I mean, right, some right. of the grounds can be if, for example, 15 years have elapsed since the incident, incident. in wow. question and you can Sometimes. show evidence of rehabilitation 
or remission, and you can successfully prove that you are not a threat to you know the United States in any way, shape, or form. This is an interesting subject, and it's an interesting time because, as we're saying, this casts such a broad net and is very subjective in terms of determining what is suspicious activity. And, right. you know, I think it's important to clarify <clears throat> that marijuana usage mm-hmm. was grounds for an inadmissibility finding even before. I think that what is important, you know, in terms of a takeaway here, you know, right. don't be surprised if you see an uptick in the types of questions that you're getting, right. particularly with respect to your past drug usage, because arguably that might be the trend in, right. in, in the current immigration climate. Yeah. And I think this is where the, the conversation is preparing those who are crossing the border like for this uptick mm-hmm. uh, that that may result knowing what an officer can do and cannot do uh, just being prepared so can they give me a drug test if i tell them no i haven't smoked marijuana and can they say well to make sure we're going to give you a drug test can they do that right then and there to, to prove it, like where where does my rights uh, begin in in as a Canadian citizen crossing over and in, into the United States? Um, so yeah. so no to the drug test, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I think it's an important question because my observation uh, has been that some officers will take a particularly aggressive approach mm-hmm. towards their questions. Because they know that that a certain attitude can sometimes intimidate people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not gonna you know say that everyone sure. is like that, sure. but I know that we no. have all at some point encountered yeah. a slightly intimidating oh, figure when we're you know overzealous, yeah, transiting. With their duties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's 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 all of us, no matter where we go, right? Mm-hmm. So people do tend to feel very intimidated. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, the officer has considerable discretion. Mm-hmm. The officer definitely has the ability to deny you entry. The officer does not have the ability to conduct a drug test. This definitely opens up a door to possible discrimination. And the discretion is up to the subjective opinion of an officer to point at a person and say, I think that you're carrying something. And they target specific people who they do not want to be in the country and offer their own sort of subjective preconceptions, let's say. So that has been a problem with this sort of discretionary power given to border officers for Mm -hmm. as long as I've been practicing. Sure. Um, If they don't like the look of you, Mm -hmm. in theory, they can use that to deny entry. Um, Or ask a a few more questions than they would another person. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they can. Correct. and there's nothing to safeguard against so that there, now? Or, I mean, no. there's obviously like safeguards in place. I mean, mm-hmm. if it's like a, 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 a poor finding, um, then, you know, you can challenge it in a variety of different ways. But I think just as a threshold matter, at that point in time, you have the potential to be either placed into secondary, mm-hmm. asked additional questions like you mentioned, or denied entry because the officer just doesn't, you know, like what he's hearing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, It's very difficult to get around an officer's discretion. And you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. I think that any time an officer 
is given that degree of like discretionary power, mm -hmm. it is a tool or a vehicle for personal biases at times. A special thanks to Arjun Vedmurthy. Thank you for making this possible. For more content and immigration updates, please visit us at our website at eiglaw.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at eig underscore law and our Instagram underscore eig law. Thank you for listening. See you next time. All I know is that I can barely even handle more than one Advil if I have a headache, so I'm not the right <laughs> participant for this conversation. We must know our body, you know, so know thyself. That's the, yeah, basically. That's the key. No more uh, than one cup of coffee and maybe an Advil. You might feel kind of woozy after yeah, that. Huh? Yeah, that's all I can handle. <laughs> um, all right. That's all going to be cut. Don't worry. Okay. Um,